This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Hello and welcome to our program today. This is Don Boyd with the Blue Springs Church of Christ. I want to welcome you to Opening the Scriptures. Today we're going to be continuing in our studies in the book of Daniel. We're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 11, which is a detailed look into the future. We need to keep in mind that chapters 10 through 12 are all one event. Last time we studied chapter 10 saw that it was basically the introduction of the vision that Daniel received. In Daniel chapter 11, we're going to see future for Daniel, which is history for us. And again, it is given in such great detail from the time of Daniel until the time of the Maccabees. And is given in such great detail, again, I believe we mentioned before, that critics claim the book had to be written after the events took place. So let's begin now in our study of Daniel chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11 is just a continuation of Daniel chapter 10. We look in verse 1, it says, Also in the first year of Darius the Mede, even I stood to confirm and to strengthen him. Now this is the angel that was speaking to Daniel. Michael was speaking to him. He goes, verse 20 and 21, we'll go ahead and read that of chapter 10. Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I came unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia, when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael your prince. So this is the angel here that is speaking to Daniel. And that's when he said, verse 1, Also in the first year of Darius the Mede, even I stood to confirm and to strengthen him. The heavenly messenger now tells how he helped Michael during the first year of the reign of Darius when Babylon was overthrown. Now the New King James Version uses chapter 11 verse 1 as the continuation of a parenthetical statement that was begun in chapter 10 verse 21. Now I want to read to you Daniel chapter 10 verse 21 from the New King James Version. It says, But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael your prince. Also in the first year of Darius the Mede, I even I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. So we find then from these verses that the overthrow of Babylon was accomplished by the Lord speaking through his messenger or through his angel. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 2, we're going to see the kings of Persia. Daniel 11, 2. He said, And now I will show thee the truth. Behold, there shall stand up yet three kings in Persia, and the fourth shall be richer than they all. And by his strength through his riches shall he stir up all against the realm of Grecia. All right, whenever we look at the chart here of the great or the five great kings of the nation of Persia, the kingdom of Persia, 
Cyrus was the first one, again, who reigned from 539 to 529. Then you had Cambyses, who was the son of Cyrus, from 529 to 522. He died on the way back from Egypt, and that's when Pseudo-Smerdis, a usurper, came, and he reigned for seven months there in 522. He claimed to be Cambyses' brother, brought back to life. He is the Artaxerxes of Ezra IV, who stopped the rebuilding of the temple. Now we have Darius, the second, or this another Darius that reigned from 521 to 580 or 485 BC. He's the one that authorized the completion of the temple in Ezra chapter six. Now the king that we're looking at here in Daniel chapter 11 verse two, the one that stirred up all against the realm of Grecia, is Xerxes. Xerxes reigned from 485 to 465 B.C. He is the Ahasuerus of the book of Esther and Esther's husband. <clears throat> Ahasuerus, he is actually the book of Esther there falls between Ezra chapter 6 and chapter 7. Now let's take a close look at this Xerxes. The Greek historian Herodotus told or wrote that Xerxes had an army of several million men. Carthage furnished him with another 3,000 or 300,000 men and 200 ships for a military campaign against Greece. Xerxes began his campaign about 480 BC with 800,000 men and 1,200 ships. A story related to this war is that at the Battle of Salamis in 480 BC, Xerxes had a throne made for himself on the shore so he could watch the battle, and he saw his navy destroyed by the Greeks. Xerxes wanted to rule the world, but he could never defeat Greece. <clears throat> in Daniel chapter 11 verses 3 and 4, we again see Alexander the Great and the division of his kingdom. Daniel chapter 11 verses 3 and 4. And a mighty king shall stand up that shall rule with great dominion and do according to his will. That's Alexander the Great. Verse 4, and when he shall stand up, his kingdom shall be broken. That would be at his death and shall be divided toward the four winds of heaven. And we'll look at that momentarily. But it would be divided among his generals. It says, and not to his posterity, nor according to his dominion, which he ruled. For his kingdom shall be plucked up even for others beside those. <clears throat> because of the cruelty of the invasions by the Persians, Alexander invaded Persia and ultimately defeated the Persian Empire in 330 BC. Alexander then died in 320 BC and his kingdom was divided into four parts as it mentioned there. Those would be Thrace, Macedonia, Syria, and Egypt. But this did not occur until a while after his death. <clears throat> Initially, Alexander's brother, Eridus, 
was made king in Macedonia, but Alexander's mother killed him. And Alexander's two sons, Hercules, whom Alexander had by the daughter of Darius, and Alexander, whom he had by Roxana. The kingdom was divided among the four, uh, four of Alexander's generals of his army. So that's what we see taking place there. Now the rest of the chapter is going to focus on two of those kingdoms. Syria, which would be the Seleucids, and Egypt, which would have been the Ptolemies. When we look in Daniel chapter 11, verses 5 and 6, an alliance was made between the south and the north. Daniel 11, 5 and 6. And the king of the south, those would be the Ptolemies, shall be strong, and one of his princes, and he shall be strong above him, and have dominion, and his dominion shall be a great dominion. Verse 6. And in the end of years they shall join themselves together. For the king's daughter of the south shall come to the king of the north to make an agreement, but she shall not retain the power of the arm. Neither shall he stand, nor his arm, but she shall be given up and they that brought her, and he that begat her, and he that strengthened her in these times. Whenever you look at a chart of the Ptolemies and the Seleucids, the Ptolemies ruled from Egypt from 323 to 330, I mean, excuse me, to 30 BC, and the death of Cleopatra the seventh. They ruled Palestine from 323 to 198 BC. Again, those are the Ptolemies. Now the Seleucids ruled Syria from 312 to about 63 BC, whenever Rome came into being, whenever Rome came a world power. The Seleucids ruled Palestine from 198 to 168 BC when the Maccabean revolt took place. Now in chapter 5, excuse me, chapter 11, verse 5, the king of the south would have been Ptolemy I, who reigned from 323 to 285 BC. And then it also mentions there Seleucus Nicator would be the one who was mentioned here. He shall be strong. And he reigned from 312 to 280 BC in Syria. Now, when we look at chapter 6, where first of all we have Ptolemy II, who was Philadelphus, known as that, who reigned from 285 to 246 BC. And at the same time, Antiochus II, Theos, ruled in Syria from 261 to 246 BC. Now concerning the things that are done here, that are written here, this king of the south, again Ptolemy I, who ruled Egypt. His prince was Seleucus Nicator, who was given Babylonia in 321 BC. 
but was forced to flee when Babylon was taken from him. He came to Ptolemy, who made him a general, and recovered Babylonia in 312 B.C. After many years of war, they decided to make an alliance. And that's whenever we're looking there at the daughter of one, the, the she there that is mentioned in verse 6, where it says, The king's daughter of the south shall come to the king of the north to make an agreement but she shall not retain the power of the arm, neither shall he stand, nor his arm, but she shall be given up, and they that brought her, and he that begat her, and he that strengthened her in these times. It was during that time that the daughter of Ptolemy II, whose name was Bernice, would go to Antiochus II as his wife. So they're trying to make an alliance here. To do this, Antiochus II had to divorce his wife, Laodicea. It is she for whom the city of Laodicea was named. So he divorced Laodicea and married Bernice. But two years later, Ptolemy II, ruler of Egypt, died. So then Antiochus divorced Bernice and took Laodicea back. Laodicea then poisoned Bernice and her son and her husband, Antiochus II, so that alliance failed. That alliance failed, and that's what it's talking about there, that there was no power of the arm, nor he didn't stand, nor his arm. Now, whenever we come to Daniel chapter 11, verses 7 through 9, we see one of Bernice's roots would stand up. Daniel 11, 7 through 9. It says, But out of a branch of her roots shall one stand up in his estate, which shall come with an army, and shall enter into the fortress of the king of the north, and shall deal against them, and shall prevail. Verse 8. And also, or shall also carry captives into Egypt, their gods, with their princes, and with their precious vessels of silver and of gold. And he shall continue more years than the king of the north. So, verse 9, the king of the south shall come into his kingdom, and shall return into his own land. Now the two sons that were stirred up here in verses 7 through 9. We first of all see Bernice's brother. He was Ptolemy III, known as Eurgetes. He reigned from 246 to 221 B.C. So Bernice's brother here, Ptolemy III, began to rule in Egypt, and he came against Seleucus II, Seleucus II was the son of Antiochus II. He reigned from 246 B.C. to 226 B.C. Seleucus II, or here, or excuse me, here Ptolemy III came against Seleucus II, and he put to death Laodicea, the murderer of his sister. 
So Bernice's brother killed the one that killed Bernice. Well, Ptolemy III had success against Syria. And after two years, Seleucus II came against Ptolemy III and was completely defeated about 240 BC. All right, now let's go to verses 10 through 12. Here we have Antiochus the Great and the Ptolemies that he dealt with. At Daniel 11, 10 through 12. It says, but his sons shall be stirred up and shall assemble a multitude of great forces and one shall certainly come and overthrow and pass through. Then shall he return and be stirred up even to his fortress. Verse 11, and the king of the south shall be moved with choler. Remember, choler is extreme anger and wrath and shall come forth and fight with him, even with the king of the north. And he shall set forth a great multitude, but the multitude shall be given into his hand. Verse 12, And when he hath taken away the multitude, his heart shall be lifted up, and he shall cast down many ten thousands, but he shall not be strengthened by it, or he shall not prevail. In verses 10 through 12, the two sons that were stirred up were the sons of Seleucus II. One of those was Saronus, the other was Antiochus III. Okay, Saronus, these would have both been rulers in Syria in the north. Saronus reigned from 226 to 223 BC, and then Antiochus III who was Antiochus the Great. He ruled from 223 to 187 BC. Well, again, Seronus reigned three years and died after he fell from a horse in battle. That is when Antiochus III, his brother, began to reign at his death. When Antiochus III, or Antiochus the Great, as he was known, was 18 years old, he managed to get together a great army and go against Egypt, the king of the south. The king of the south there would have been uh, Ptolemy III there. He was determined to regain Syria from Egyptian domination. Now the king of the south then, after the death of Ptolemy III, was Ptolemy IV. Now he was enraged at Antiochus the Great and went into battle with him. Ptolemy had 75,000 soldiers, while Antiochus had 78,000 soldiers. Ptolemy IV defeated Antiochus, slaying more than 10,000 of his men. Ptolemy was then lifted up with pride and went back to a life of luxury. That was Ptolemy the fourth was Philippiter or Philopater, who reigned from 221 to 205 BC. So he died during the reign of Antiochus the third, the Great. Now we come to verses 13 through 19, and we want to read verses 13 and 14 first. 
Daniel 11, 13, and 14, and this is discussing Antiochus the Great and Ptolemy the Fifth. Antiochus, again, the ruler in Syria, and Ptolemy, the ruler in Egypt. Daniel 11, 13, and 14. It says, For the king of the north shall return, and shall set forth a multitude greater than the former, and shall certainly come after certain years with a great army and with much riches. Now verse 14. And in those times there shall many stand up against the king of the south. Also the robbers of thy people shall exalt themselves to establish the vision, but they shall fall. All right, whenever we look at verses 13 and 14, again we're dealing here with Antiochus the Great and Ptolemy the Fifth. Ptolemy V called himself Epiphanes. He ruled from 205 to 181 BC. And again, Antiochus the Great ruled from 223 to 187 BC. Well, Antiochus the Great had invaded the East and acquired an army that was much larger than the army that was defeated by Ptolemy IV 13 years earlier. Ptolemy IV had died, and now Ptolemy V, who was only four years old, was on the throne in Egypt. Antiochus the Great and Philip of Macedon joined forces against Egypt. So that is the alliance that was made. Now the verse also mentions robbers of thy people where it says the robbers of thy people shall exalt themselves to establish the vision, but they shall fall. The robbers of thy people refers to the Jews who were exalting themselves and thinking that they were fulfilling prophecy to bring independence to Israel, but they would fail. They would fall or they would fail. Now, let's look at verses 11 through 15. Uh, excuse me, chapter 11, verses 15 through 19. Daniel 11, verses 15 through 19. First of all, verse 15. So the king of the north shall come and cast up a mount, and take the most fenced cities, and the arms of the south shall not withstand. Neither his chosen people, neither shall there be any strength to withstand. Most scholars agree that this refers to the capture of Sidon. Ptolemy had sent his best warriors to take back the territory that he had lost. They were defeated at the headwaters of the Jordan River by Antiochus the Great, and they finally surrendered at the city of Sidon. Now let's look at Daniel 11:16. Says, but he that cometh against him shall do according to his own will, and none shall stand before him. And he shall stand in the glorious land by which his hand shall be consumed. Then, verse 16, 
Antiochus swept into Palestine and broke the power of the Egyptian army in 198 BC. The glorious land there would be talking about Palestine and it would be consumed by his hand. Now let's look at verse 17 of Daniel 11. He shall also set his face to enter with the strength of his whole kingdom and upright ones with him. Thus shall he do, and he shall give him the daughter of women corrupting her. But she shall not stand on his side, neither be for him. Antiochus was determined to merge Syria and Egypt into one nation. He made a treaty with Ptolemy V to give him his daughter Cleopatra to wife. Now this is not the famous Cleopatra. Ptolemy was only seven years old when the treaty was made. Now it mentions here that he would give him the daughter of women that may refer to Cleopatra's either age or beauty and then it mentions, but she shall, excuse me, corrupting her. Corrupting her refers to the fact that Antiochus wanted to, to destroy his enemy, Ptolemy there, through this marriage. But once Cleopatra married Ptolemy, she was loyal to Ptolemy, not Antiochus. And that's why it says there at the end of verse 17, neither be for him. She was not for her father. She was for her husband. And now let's look at verses 18 and 19 of Daniel chapter 11. It says, After this, or after this shall he turn his face unto the isles, and he shall take many. But a prince for his own behalf shall cause the reproach offered by him to cease. Without his own reproach, he shall cause it to return, excuse me, to turn upon him. Now verse 19. Then shall he turn his face toward the fort of his own land, but he shall stumble and fall and not be found. In verses 18 and 19, the explanation. Antiochus returned from Egypt and concentrate, uh, concentrated his efforts on the islands of the Mediterranean, and he was successful. But when Antiochus the Great started across the Mediterranean Sea, he was met by the Roman army. The prince that is mentioned here is Lucius Asiaticus, the Roman general there who defeated Antiochus. Antiochus then was weakened and returned home and declined in power. When we come to Daniel chapter 11 verse 20, we're going to see one called the raiser of taxes. Daniel 11 verse 20. It says, Then shall he stand up in his estate a raiser of taxes in the glory of the kingdom, but within a few days he shall be destroyed, neither in anger nor in battle. In verse 20, we're looking here at Ptolemy the sixth, 
and Seleucus or Seleucus the fourth. Ptolemy the sixth, known as Philometer, reigned from 181 BC to 145 BC. Seleucus the fourth, known as Philippiter, reigned from 187 to 175 BC. Seleucus the fourth replaced Antiochus the Great. He was hard pressed to pay the taxes that Antiochus the Great had agreed to pay to Rome. When he learned there were great sums of money in the temple at Jerusalem, he sent his prime minister, Heliodorus, to seize the funds. But his plans were thwarted. Heliodorus, seeking the throne, poisoned Seleucus the Fourth. When Seleucus's brother, Antiochus the Fourth, found out his brother was dead, then he claimed the throne. So right there, a man was wanting to gain the throne, so it wasn't done in anger nor in battle, was the death there of Seleucus the Fourth. Now, from verses 21 down through verse 45, we have Ptolemy the Sixth, Philometer that we looked at reigned from 181 to 145 BC, and Antiochus the Fourth Epiphanes, who reigned from 175 to 164. First of all, we're going to read verse 21 about Antiochus the Fourth Epiphanes which is what he called himself, and the Jews called him Epimenes, which means Antiochus the madman. Verse 21. And in his estate shall stand up a vile person, to whom they shall not give the honor of the kingdom. But he shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. Antiochus Epiphanes here, Antiochus the fourth, was not the heir to the throne. His brother's son was. But he took the throne during a time of peace. Antiochus the fourth was a dishonest man. He used cunning flatteries and secret maneuverings to get what he wanted. That's how he got the throne. He was a master of intrigue. So that shows us there how Antiochus got the throne at that time, Antiochus the fourth. Now let's read Daniel eleven twenty two through 24. It says, And with the arms of a flood shall I be overthrown, overflown from before him, and shall be broken, yea, also the prince of the covenant. Verse 23, and after the league made with him, he shall work deceitfully. For he shall come up and shall become strong with a small people. In verse 24. He shall enter peaceably even upon the fastest, or excuse me, the fattest places of the province. And he shall do that which his fathers have not done, nor his father's fathers. He shall scatter among them the prey and spoil and riches. 
Yea, and he shall forecast his devices against the strongholds even for a time. <laughs> These verses talking about Antiochus shows that he would work through manipulations and deceptions to become a political power. He would actually do what his fathers nor his father's fathers had done before. And that is, he would come to the temples and shrines where the people stole or stored their treasures and steal them. This is something his fathers would have never done. Kings and governors respected the religions and beliefs of the people, especially their temples and shrines. But Antiochus had only regard for himself. He wanted to be king of Egypt and king of Syria. In verses 25 through 30, again here we are looking at Antiochus the fourth and Ptolemy the sixth. Antiochus the fourth and Ptolemy the sixth. Verse 25 first. And he shall stir up his power and his courage against the king of the south with a great army. And the king of the south shall be stirred up to battle with a very great and mighty army, but he shall not stand, for they shall forecast devices against him. <laughs> Verse 25, Antiochus eventually went up against Ptolemy the sixth of Egypt and defeated him at that time. Now let's look at Verse 26. Yea, they that feed of the portion of his meat shall destroy him. Again, this is talking about Ptolemy the sixth. And his army shall overflow, and many shall fall down slain. There were some of those who supported Ptolemy that deserted, and also his armies were swept away, and multitudes of Ptolemy the sixth army were slain. Now verse 27. And both these kings' heart shall be to do mischief, and they shall speak lies at one table, but it shall not prosper, for yet the end shall be at the time appointed. All right, well, first of all, notice that while at the negotiating table, these two kings plotted against each other. Antiochus Epiphanes was plotting to take Egypt, and Ptolemy VI was pretending to believe the lies that he told him. Their plans would fail because the time appointed by God for the wars between Syria and Egypt had not come. So those plans would fail, but they were plotting against one another. <laughs> In verse 28, we see, then shall he return into his land with great riches, that being Antiochus Epiphanes. And his heart shall be against the holy covenant, and he shall do exploits, the American Standard Version says, his pleasure, and return to his own land. So Antiochus returned from Egypt to his own land with great spoil. I want to read to you from the book of 1 Maccabees, chapter 1, verses 18 through 24. Now remember that the books of Maccabees, there's four books of them. They are history. They are not 
inspired by God. And they are also tainted history. As we go back, you look at the, even in our history, our history is tainted whenever you go back and look things that really happen. So we're going to be looking at 1 Maccabees 1, 18 through 24. And this just kind of gives us an idea of how he came back with great spoil. Here's what they say, the verses say. He engaged King Ptolemy of Egypt in battle, and Ptolemy turned and fled from before him. And many were wounded and fell. They captured the fortified cities in the land of Egypt, and he plundered the land of Egypt. After subduing Egypt, Antiochus returned in 143rd year. That's 169 B.C. He went up against Israel, and it mentions that there in the reading in verse 28. His heart shall be against the Holy Covenant. So he came up against Israel and came to Jerusalem with a strong force. He arrogantly entered the sanctuary and took the golden altar and the lampstand for the light and all its utensils. He took also the table for the showbread of the golden altar, the lampstand. Oh, excuse me. He also took the table for the bread of the presence the cups for drink offerings, the bowls, the golden censers, the curtain, the crowns, and the gold decoration on the front of the temple. He stripped it all off. He took the silver and gold and the costly vessels. He took also the hidden treasures that he found. Taking them all, he went into his own land. So that gives us some idea of how he got all of the riches that he did. Now let's look at verse 29 of Daniel 11. It says, At the time appointed, he shall return and come toward the south, but it shall not be as the former or as the latter. Verse 29 talks about another expedition that Antiochus, Antiochus Epiphanes had against Egypt in 168 B.C. This was not as successful as the previous one. The Ptolemies humiliated him in battle. And then we'll notice also something else in verse 30. Daniel 11:30. It says, For, and this is the reason, for the ships of Chittim shall come against him. Therefore he shall be grieved and return and have indignation against the Holy Covenant. So shall he do. He shall even return and have intelligence with them that forsake the Holy Covenant. The explanation of verse 30 is the Romans also came against him. Chittim in the Old Testament denotes the inhabitants of Cyprus. And at that time, the Romans were in control of Cyprus, thus those from Chittim. Popilius Laenus was the general of the Roman army that was stationed in Egypt. He is the general of whom it is said that drew a circle around Antiochus Epiphanes and said this, Go home. He told Antiochus to make his decision before he stepped out of that circle. Well, disheartened 
Antiochus made the decision to leave Egypt, never to conquer it. But he was filled with rage. We see have, he had indignation against the Holy Covenant. The rage he had, he was unable to vent against Egypt, so he turned it against Israel. He hated the Jews and their religion. It also mentioned there that he shall even return and have intelligence with them that forsake the Holy Covenant. Here he used the Jews who apostatized from their religion to carry out his plans. Historians tell us that he stormed Jerusalem on the Sabbath day killing 40,000 people and capturing many and taking them into slavery, and he also plundered the city of Jerusalem. In verse 31 of Daniel chapter 11, we're going to see that Antiochus at that time desecrates the temple and stops the worship to Jehovah God. Verse 31, Daniel 11. And the arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength and take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. In verse 31, the armed forces of Antiochus' army would stand guard in the temple at Jerusalem. The soldiers sacrificed swine on the altar of the Jews and flung the swine broth in the temple, defiling the temple and the altar. He also erected a statue of Jupiter in the temple area and stopped the daily sacrifice to God. He tried to obliterate every trace of the Jewish religion and introduce the Grecian culture at that time. Well, in Daniel chapter 11, verses 32 through 35, God's people would suffer and then they would revolt. Daniel 11, 32 through 35. And said, And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Verse 33, And they that understand among the people shall instruct many, and they shall fall by the sword and by flame, by captivity, and by spoil many days. Now verse 34. Now when they shall fall, they shall be holpen with a little help. But many shall cleave to them with their flatteries. And then, verse 35, And some of them of understanding shall fall to try them to purge and to make them white, even to the time of the end, because it is yet for a time appointed. All right, that's through verse 35. 
the Jews who forsook the law of Moses would be perverted by Antiochus. He used flattery and intrigue to accomplish his plans. Some Jews would remain faithful and show themselves valiant and accomplish much for their cause. Now I want to go back to the book of 1 Maccabees again. Chapter 1, verses 62 through 64 state this. But many in Israel stood firm and were resolved in their hearts not to eat unclean food, which is something that Antiochus would wanted them to do. They chose to die rather than be defiled by food or profane the holy covenant, and they did die. Very great wrath came upon Israel. Now, whenever you look in the book of Second Maccabees, verse uh, chapter seven, again, First Maccabees is is history fairly accurate history. Second Maccabees begins to, things are embellished. But I want to read some things to hear to you from Second Maccabees 7, kind of giving you an idea of what things were going on. Now, how much of this is true, I don't know. But we'll read it. Second Maccabees chapter 7. It said it happened also that seven brothers and their mother were arrested and being compelled by the king under torture with whips and thongs to partake of unlawful swine's flesh. One of them acting as their spokesman said, what do you intend to ask and learn from us? For we're ready to die rather than transgress the laws of our ancestors. The king fell into a rage and gave orders to have pans and cauldrons heated. These were heated immediately, and he commanded that the tongue of their spokesman be cut out, and that they scalp him and cut off his hands and feet, while the rest of the brothers and the mother looked on. When he was utterly helpless, the king ordered them to take him to the fire, still breathing, and to fry him in a pan. The smoke from the pan spread widely, but the brothers and their mother encouraged one another to die nobly, saying, The Lord God is watching over us, and in the truth or in truth has compassion on us, as Moses declared in his song, that bore witness against the people to their faces, when he said, And he will have compassion on his servants. So again, this could be something that actually happened. Antiochus was that evil of a man. But the verses we read also mentioned that there would be exploits done there by the people that were remaining faithful. The Maccabean revolt came about because of the things that Antiochus did. Maccabeus Mattathias was a priest who lived in the city of Modium. He was told to sacrifice swine by the officials from Antiochus, but he refused. When another Jew came forward to do so, Mattathias killed him. That's where the revolt began. On December 25th of either 165 or 164 BC, Judas Maccabeus defeated the forces of Antiochus at Jerusalem and cleansed the temple ending Syrian rule over Israel, but he could not end all 
of the distresses there of the people. And that's what we read there in verse 35 of Daniel chapter 11. It also mentions that many hypocrites associated themselves with the faithful who opposed Antiochus. And those troublesome times were necessary to separate the faithful Jews from those who were not. We're not going to have time to finish Daniel chapter 11 in today's lesson. So Lord willing, next time we're going to start there in Daniel chapter 11 verses 36 through 39 as we continue and then get on into Daniel chapter 12, the conclusion there of the vision. So Lord willing, next time we'll be in Daniel chapter 11 verses 36 through 39. Well, once again, this is Don Boyd with the Blue Springs Church of Christ, and we'll thank you for tuning in to be with us today. The study of Daniel chapter 11 is incredible as we go back and we see everything taking place just as Daniel was told it would whenever he saw this vision and this messenger told him what would happen. If you're ever in the Blue Springs Missouri area, we want to invite you to come and to worship with us. We're located at 1000 Southwest Clark Road in Blue Springs, Missouri. We worship Sunday morning or times on Sunday morning, 930 for Bible class, 1030 for worship. And then Sunday evening, we meet at six o'clock for a worship period. On Wednesday night, we meet at seven for Bible classes for all ages and a short devotional period. So thank you for being with us today, and we look forward to being with you next time. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Wave Media by visiting us at BibleWaveMedia.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We thank you for listening.